Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Okay. Yeah. So I think a lot more people struggle with some level of mental illness themselves than we know, like we don't share it. Right. And then I also think, I also think that everybody associates and has something in their family. And that's another thing we don't really talk about super openly, but anyway, so I guess a little both angles, like if you're the person that's, you know, navigating that yourself, if you're navigating that, what are some, you know, kind of like that angle. And then the other one, if you're supporting a loved one and that can be, that can have its own challenges as well. Right. So it's true. So anyway, I just thought you always have cool resources and things that you like send out and share with people. So I just thought, well, maybe she has a whole file full of stuff like this. I wish I, I should put it together so that it's more easy to access. I kind of I kind of have different fi- files and binders and then just things I've learned yeah. in different places. And so I kind of have to access my memory better than anything. Yeah, that's good. And you know what, even just, uh, I also thought it would be really awesome if you could just even share, you know, just your perspective on what has it been like having a mental illness, like having that be one of your life's, your life's burdens. Do I mean, what has it been like for you and what, and what has, 
what would your interpretation of how, you know, it's affected your family or how it's affected other people that have supported you? Do I mean, that'd probably be the best thing because I have done some lots of searching. There's tons of stuff like on the church website. There's tons of stuff. There's other talks and things. So anyway, I just thought even if I could share just like you came to my mind so strongly, it was this, I have so much more love and respect for people with mental illness because I have a lot of love and respect for you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, it just made me think that would be probably the most meaningful is that I could share with them how much I love you and how much respect I have for you and that you just, you know, keep pressing forward. But every day you've got a, another day and it's, it's the story, you know? It is. And I admit there are days I don't get out of bed because I don't feel like I can do another day. If I wake up, it's that mental illness is still there and it means facing it. And so there are many times I just don't even get up because I don't feel like I can face it again. Yeah. So it's totally hard. That would be really hard because, well, and I'm kind of talking to you, talking to you about this from what you entered in the chat, you're probably feeling a little more sore right now. Are you? Emotionally, definitely. Yeah. It's, I don't know why, but I've been in the hospital in January more times over the years than any other month. Wow. Um, I, I'm guessing it must have something to do with the season, something to do with the migraines because they seem to be worse this time of year. And I haven't figured that out either. Yeah. I have learned that physically, if you feel worse, that can definitely take its toll on you emotionally too. Totally. Yeah. So, but are you, are you, you're, I don't want to, I think I understood you are looking for a residential treatment, right? Yeah. Well, inpatient um, or residential, I found out the biggest difference between those two. If if you didn't know, patient is more of a locked down. You have to stay in, in there. Residential um, gives you a little more leeway where you can go out even on your own. If you sometimes. Yeah. So uh, inpatient is usually easy, more easily, easy to find coverage with insurance for. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I just recently figured that part out because I, I've been doing a very extensive search for places and it's, haven't found very many results. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've found a few places now. <laughs> One that has an eight-month waiting list for OCD, and it is residential because it's residential would be hard because I'd have to pay, even though they'll pay the hospital part, staying overnight, they won't. And so I still have to figure out how to pay that. Oh, wow. Another place would be just the place I went to last year, which is inpatient, but it might be my best hope. I'm not sure yet because I'm also found a place during my searching um, and I thought they had some more medication choices 
And because I saw OCD listed, yeah. well, I got at least going to give them a call. Yeah. And so I set up an appointment. Then I looked more into it and I'm all, oh, wow, this has got some alternative stuff I'm not so sure about. But I think at this point in my life, it, it's not a, the worst thing to look into alternatives sure. and using psychedelic meds like ketamine. I hope I'm okay. pronouncing that. My mom corrected me earlier and I don't know which way she corrected me, but anyway, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I don't know about psychedelic meds. That sounds out there for me. Yeah. And then another one is, is called transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS where they put okay. this in your head. Okay. And these magnetic pulses to selected regions of the brain, depending on what you have, they mostly do it for major depressive disorder. Now, and anxiety, depression. I don't know if it's like anxiety, depression. Yeah. Together or anyway. Wow. Yeah. So, but I was going to look into that for the OCD yeah. specifically. Yeah. One minute. I'm going to keep talking, but put turning off my camera because this is the part <laughs> I didn't want you to watch. I'm just okay. doing this. I haven't done it today and realized, oh, wow. No wonder my nose isn't sinuses aren't doing too well. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Okay. Yeah. So good. I think it's good to try things we've never tried before sometimes just to, I don't know, a lot of people I know that I've related to that, you know, tried one way for a really long time. They try a new thing. There's, I think because, because it's a new thing, they're more open sometimes to the hope of that, you know, this is something I haven't tried. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. I have to tell you with OCD, it's usually the opposite. Okay. And I know a lot of people are afraid of change, but OCD, people with OCD tend to have that fear even more. Okay. Change is a very hard thing. Yeah. However, I've had this for so many years and they also feel like some medication changes might be needed or something because there hasn't been a change. Yeah. So, and that's one reason I'm looking into hospital stay. A uh, hospital is because I've tried very many different medications. Mm. A lot of them have had some pretty adverse effects. Yeah. So it would be safer for me to be in a hospital while mm -hmm. I'm changing. Right. Because it's really hard to know what's going to happen. Yeah. And there might even be some, a little bit of bipolar in me. I have a lot of cousins and I have several. Okay. That do, and some of my reactions have been a little bit manic and depressive mm -hmm. with those medications. I don't get that way without. Yeah. For the most part, without a medication yeah. kind of treatment. But it seems to kind of manifest with SSRIs or the specific drug class. Yeah. So they probably won't even try me on any more of those. But, but yeah, so it, it, it makes it very difficult. And I, yeah. I can understand that many people who have mental illness probably really get that challenge. I think yeah. it's a med that works and that works the way that you hope it will 
There's another thing I'm going to try, and this is still kind of new, but it's called genetic testing. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. Yeah. So thankfully, this office that I'm going to try that's got the other, it's called Cedar Psychiatry. It's down in Layton. It was the closest. Yeah. But they will do a genetic testing too, and they can have a better idea of whether that medication will be effective or not. Right. That's, I guess you still won't know if it will have side effects for sure. So yeah, that could be just told. (laughs) It would be so nice just to say, oh no, I'm going to be allergic to that or that's going to do that. Yeah. But they, they don't have it completely that done uh, or that science down all the way yet, but I guess it's, it's getting better and people are including my therapist who told me she had it done are getting more positive results. Okay. So, and, and they can do psychiatric meds, but they can, they're down to where they can do other meds, like what pain for pain management, logical meds. I probably said that wrong, but anyway, because it was her gynecologist that, but yeah. Yeah. When, when I first heard of that, I was thinking, how come everybody isn't doing this? How come all the doctors aren't, aren't having us all say, well, before we prescribe meds, we like you to do a DNA test so that we can see what, where to start because it will tell us what your body will metabolize better for you. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think that's one of the reasons that they don't. So this is what my phys- family physician said yeah. is because it will show you how you metabolize it, but it still won't show side effects mm. or reactions. Yeah. You can, they, a lot of times they don't know if insurance will cover it or not. Okay. So he told me it could be a minimum of $500. Mm. So that's something I still have to find out because I don't know. Yeah. I know the place I'm going to, the Cedar Psychiatry, they accept my insurance, but okay. the lab testing itself I don't know and so I still have to figure that out yeah I'm hoping that they will cover it (laughs) because it would make me feel a little bit better and if they don't then I can at least get one that will only do my psychiatric meds but it will be done through Hebrew Human Services and they cover it so Mm -hmm. if anybody has mental health and they can go to Weber Human Services they they the Weber Human Services covers it Okay. So I don't know if that would be helpful if you need to tell anybody that. Yeah. I, well, it's just good to know, right? If I to the family physician, they may get the answer my physician told me, and he told me it wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> so, but I think it would be worth it if you can get it done at a place like Weber Herman Services where they pay for it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, like if I were to ask you the question, how has... How has mental illness affected your life? What would you say? You know, if I said the very first thing that came to mind, I would say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Because it's, it's been the hardest struggle for me. Question my worth, my purpose. You know, see, I know these things we learn in church, but, and I, and I know the adversaries in there too, but I think mental illness makes you more vulnerable to questioning those things. And, and I've been suicidal again and, and I, it's a horrible feeling. It's, and I, I, 
I realize that nobody, not everybody has it to the same severity or in the same ways. So yeah, I wish so bad that it was something I could just cold turkey, get rid of it like you could a substance abuse. Mm. You know, you can do that. You, I have siblings that have done drugs and alcohol, and I know it's still hard for them to stay sober and stay away from it. I just think, wow, you know, if I could just choose to stay away from it, I feel like that'd still be easier, but I can't take my brain out and stay away from that. <laughs> I have to face it and deal with it every day, whether I like to or not. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, an eating disorder. I still have to eat. I can't just say, okay, I'm going to just stop. Right. Well, okay, you don't want to stop if eating, if eating is the issue, but you know what I mean? I don't. <laughs> You can say, I'm okay, I'm going to do rehab and stop alcohol. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to make that commitment, stay away from it. But an eating disorder or any mental illness, you don't really have that choice. And medications can help a person keep it under control, but that doesn't always give you the complete cure either. Yeah. Yeah. So, when, how old were you when you noticed? that you were struggling with mental illness? 13. It didn't take very long. I set a goal to lose weight because my parents were going on a diet. And within two months, I was already in a hospital. So I kind of went fast and furious with it. <laughs> but if I, if I told you a positive side to it, because mm -hmm. I don't want to give the negative. Yeah. I've learned a lot. And I feel like it's helped me be more patient and caring with other people, more empathetic. Yeah. And, and just try to understand better whatever it is they're going through rather than so quick to judge. <laughs> because I, I really think without it, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like I used to be that way. Like, well, you should just be able to do this because I can't, or, you know, you just put your mind to it and you do it. But I definitely learned that is not always the case. It's sure. helped teach me those things. And I've made a lot of good friends that also have mental illness. Yeah. Boy, that really helps too. when you can connect with other people who might not have your exact same struggle, but they, they get the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really is. I've, I've noticed just when I even talk with others, especially I've noticed the difference between talking to those that also have mental illness and those who don't. And it's, it's hard, very hard to explain it to someone who doesn't. They just can't seem to get it. And some of it might be generation caps too, for, because example, I live with my grandma. She's one who I, keep trying to explain it to and it just there's just no understanding there at all I mean I, I shouldn't say at all it's yeah. it's gotten better over time because she's seen my meltdowns and my right. struggles yeah. but on some things she's just like I don't get it and and she'll even get after me like in fact she just did tonight and I was about ready to tell you oh never mind I can't do this a big big stressor she I keep telling her that and I try to explain when you try to tell me that I have to do something that 
that is a struggle for me, something that's specific with my OCD, mm-hmm. it makes me more stressed and it actually kind of becomes debilitating. It actually makes it harder to do than easier. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's not the case for everybody. In fact, it helps motivate some people if they're told. Yeah. It has that opposite effect and she doesn't get that. So I got really very frustrated tonight because she even heard me say I was planning to do what she told me to do, but yet she told me to anyway. And I was like, what is this? Do you somehow need the control? Makes you feel better if you tell me to do it. Yeah, but I was thinking that and she got after me and I got so panicky. I ended up saying, shut up. And I don't say that to my grandma. And so mm-hmm. I, I already felt like I was going to cry right after I just it's it's very very hard and it's very hard to help people understand it and I don't know I do know that a person with anxiety and panic it doesn't help to get after them it makes it go harder if if there can be more understanding and helpful suggestions maybe if they're open to suggestions that can help but just telling them hey you got to do this or where else yeah that that tends to make the panic and anxiety grow and get worse and panic attacks debilitate a person or at least they do to me I mean I get to a point where I feel frozen and I can't move I don't know if that's helpful to tell you this maybe that's not what you know I think that's so helpful because so what I'm hearing you say is if I'm somebody who's supporting a loved one who you know, their life includes a mental illness, it would be more important for me to maybe discuss with them what helps and what doesn't help. And maybe also to to say, yeah, to just think, because maybe to somebody else who's just watching or living with someone with mental illness, it doesn't make sense because our brain is not computing that you can't just stop that or start that or do that different, right? But, and so we might have this thought or perspective that sounds kind of like, like, I think you need some help. So I will tell you what to do. And maybe just like God doesn't just come down and tell us everything to do, right? He's willing to understand where we're at and just allow, allow allow us to be where we're at and support where we're at, but be right there to be like, whenever you're ready, I'm just super happy to help you. Yeah. That, and I, you know, and especially if it's a parent, I would say that it would be good for them to just be willing to meet with the therapist too, because I, my grandma won't meet with my therapist. She won't read on it. She won't she only let me discuss it to a certain point. So like, so when she just tells me what to do, there's no understanding behind it because she's unwilling, literally, because I've asked her several times, will you read? Will you meet with my therapist? Would you be willing to do this or that? And the answer is always no. And the, and the few times she did agree to a therapist when I was inpatient, she agreed on it and then went back on her agreement. And I asked her, why? Why did you agree to it in the first place? Well, I felt pressured. The therapist, she said, well, I don't feel like I was pressuring her, but. Yeah. 
No, I, I think maybe to her, she just felt like she had to agree because the therapist is saying that this is what she needs. It, being a loved one of someone with a mental illness takes a lot of understanding. And I feel bad about that because I don't like it. I feel like it makes me a burden. Right. But I also at the same time wish that there would be some understanding, just, you know, at least some willingness to talk about it and, and what will help instead of just mm. coming. Yeah. And I don't know the things that we don't really understand make us afraid. Right. Yeah. And the things often we don't want to know more about it because we are afraid right it's almost like I'm yeah kind of afraid of the vulnerability of it the you know having to think of this different when I've already decided in my mind what that looks like or what that what that is so yeah yeah but boy what a great yeah what it wasn't I have a a loved one with severe depression. And it wasn't until I started reading about it that I stopped judging so much. Because, and I didn't even realize that I was judging so much. I thought I was kind of having these helpful thoughts, helpful suggestions, helpful, you know, if, if I'm show up enough or do me good enough, you'll just come right along. Do you know I mean that kind of thing? Yeah. And so that helped me so much to start reading about depression and hearing people with a lot more experience and understanding than me telling me when you think like this about someone with a mental illness, that really hurts them. It's not helpful. And it's not something you can just wish away or make go away, you know. I wish. I wish I could wish it. And I, yeah. I don't completely understand what's going on with my grandma. So I didn't mean to sound judgmental there. For sure. I've tried to ask her the whys. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get an understanding of what's going on with her, why she doesn't want to and mm-hmm. and doesn't want to discuss it. So I don't yeah. understand. Maybe she doesn't understand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I guess there's some given somebody listen. Yeah. And sometimes that's all we need too. We don't always need somebody to have the answer. In fact, a fix it person can sometimes be more aggravating. (laughs) Understand. Just listen. Have you ever watched that Brene Brown? Is it Brene? Renee? Brene? Yeah. It's like only two or three minutes long. And it's this video where she shows about just being able to understand and I wish I remember the name of it I don't know if it's like empathy versus sympathy or I just know that it shows somebody and I think it's depression but and they're down in this pit stuck in this pit and it's I think it's portrayed by a fox song and asks how are you and and they say you know I'm feeling down and I, I I'm really depressed and the bear is like sympathetic like oh I'm so sorry tell me more or how can I help and this and you show it shows this bear climbing down the ladder and trying to understand and be empathetic and then later she gives 
an office example when this cow comes into the picture and she says, hey, oh, I'm really depressed. Oh, that's too bad. Want a sandwich? <laughs> and she said, and she said, oh, well, what are you depressed about? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose my marriage. Oh, well, look at the positive side. At least you have the marriage. It's almost, it's kind of almost made ridiculous to help you see the point, but it's, yeah. It's also a great example. And like I said, it's, I don't even think it's a whole three minutes long. Yeah, I don't a, know if, if I, if I can find that, would you like me to send you the link? Totally. Yeah. I was, I wrote it down to go search for it myself. Actually. I was like, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even very long. If, if it's something you wanted to show, I found it very helpful. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I've found the self-reliance under self-reliance and gospel library, what they have on mental health has really helped me, including that talk by Elder Jeffrey R. R. Holland. But I, I still remember how he talked about his own depression and related to it. And it just made me feel so much better. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That was really helpful. I, I was so grateful that he was somebody of influence that maybe we all look at and think, well, he's never had to deal with anything like that, right? Or he wouldn't be doing that. So to have him share in vulnerability and understanding that was really a win for so many people for him to do that. It really, really was. Yeah. And the other resource was under the self-reliance section on the church website, there's a mental illness portion that you like. Yeah. If you go to self-reliance, they then it's got a lot of topics. And one of them is just mental health or mental illness. I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. And it's just about, all about that. And they give different things that you articles and things you can look at. Okay. So, and then I think they even have idea, you know, besides talks, ideas of how you can better understand someone who has it. They talk about myths versus facts, which was very helpful. Yeah. I, I asked my, my grandparent, my grandma and my parents to read. Mm-hmm. So I actually did read those. Yeah, that is good. So that might be something too, as a tip is, if you yeah. do struggle with mental illness, when you find a resource that's really helpful, ask people that care about you to, to read it. Yes. Okay. And, and it's helpful if, and you know, if it's really long to maybe just make some highlights to give to them to see to, that they can find and read. Yeah. And when I was at my eating, last eating disorder place, they gave me a handout on what not to say to someone with an eating disorder right and because so many people say things like just go eat a sandwich oh okay well wow I don't know why I didn't think of that (laughs) yeah well and you know what that's I don't think ah I'm just so glad to be talking to you because I'm sitting here thinking you know I think I know some things but just you saying that I'm thinking how many types of mental illness struggles are there and the only one I've ever read about is depression so many there's something called oh is it called a dsm or something there's a book full of all these oh my goodness I bet you I don't even know half of the different 
uh, mental illness that they've got. Yeah. It's wow. Wow. But yeah, like to me, I think I, I mean, I, I could guess what you don't say to someone with an eating disorder, you know, like that's not the smartest thing to say to them, but because I don't know, that would just be good to know. Right. I could probably scan and send you the copy if you wanted it. Yeah. I just would, I think, yeah, to me, I think I just love you so much. If you sent me something, I would definitely read that thing. <laughs> yeah. I have found because my family is, or at least my grandma and my parents are solid members of the church. Mm-hmm. When I recommend something that the church has, that's why that self-reliance mental health thing has been helpful for me. They haven't really been willing to read anything else, but if it's from the church, for some reason that gives them. So I'm like, okay, well, found something that, so I'll take what I can get and my yeah. mom is becoming more understanding too in fact she's willing to go with me to this cedar psychiatry because I'm like oh my goodness they're going to have all this scientific medical stuff they're going to explain and my mom's an or well she's a retired nurse huh? mom I definitely need you to help me understand this and psychedelic meds that sounds a little out there yeah I don't want to be thrown on something really crazy so totally. yeah that is super helpful. Wow, that's super helpful for her to have a background like that. And that she's willing to support that. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking psychedelic meds. I There's a reason I stay away from marijuana and things. As yeah. I want to just say no. But then my mom's like, well, we should hear them out. So, okay. Because my I thought my mom would say, oh, same thing as me, but she knows more about medicine than me. Yeah. So. Yeah. My. I think it's always good if, if, if a person that does have mental illness to make sure they ask questions and that's a scary thing, but I've had my therapists and I'm saying that plural, tell me that they're glad I ask questions that it helps them help me better and they would rather help me understand than just have me in the dark that would be something to tell somebody also if you comment don't be afraid to ask questions yeah it helps them help you and you really deserve to have an understanding of what you're going into for sure yeah and we tend to kind of I don't know. It's weird how when we have any kind of weakness, we feel maybe like I'm the weak one. You're the smart doctor. Um, whatever you tell me to do, I'm just going to do that. Or I'm just going to believe what you say. So yeah. you kind of have to be your own, you know, curious advocate. Yeah. And the therapists are more willing to discuss it with me. I've noticed than the doctors, but I've also learned, hey, if they're not willing to discuss it, then find somebody else who will. Yeah. When I was just thrown on meds here and there, that was very unhelpful. It was, out of all my experiences with mental illness, that was my worst experience, being thrown on all different kinds of meds. 
the side effects just threw me to such highs and such lows that I, I can't even, there's no words for how horrible it was. I felt like I was going through this, through hell. I, I would, that's one of the biggest things I would recommend is ask questions and find somebody that's willing to answer and help you understand. And the more you can find and learn, the more you can overcome it and get help as well as hope. <laughs> I have many treatments that I started with, with very little knowledge, if any, go very well. <laughs> and I've learned a lot since then and it's, it's going a lot better. That's... So I would definitely recommend that. Even if it's just starting with some articles online. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Was it hard for you to, because I know with experience comes more wisdom, right? We just get wiser as we have experience and we're like, well, I'm not going to touch that again. not going to do that again, right? We just get, right. but I just think, did you ever have a time in your life where you just thought I'm rebelling against this? I am not going to have mental illness. I'm not going to do this, that, you know what I mean? You know how some people are like, I'm not going to do that, but it's not, you can make it go away. You just, you're like, I don't like the trouble and the different. I'm so different. Do I mean? Yeah, I did. I went into denial for most of my teenage, well, all of my teenage years, actually, I was in denial even when I was in the hospital and two, they had to two feet me the whole time. Um, I refused to believe it. I refused to talk to the therapist. I refused medications because what my parents forced. And that wasn't helpful because then it was just forced. <laughs> right. So yeah, I did. And it didn't help me at all. <laughs> it put me into further denial. It kept me from getting help. And it, you know, on the other side of that is when I did start accepting help, I learned the more honest you can be, not just with the, them, but with yourself, because it's hard to get out of that denial, the more help and freedom you get with it too. And that's really, really hard. I didn't find out I had OCD for a few years because it was hard to tell them embarrassing things like I get stuck in the bathroom. I, I can't get off the toilet. So I didn't tell anybody. They had, oh. they figured it out when I was in the hospital because I was impatient. And then they said, oh, you have OCD. Oh, but I had a few other misdiagnoses because I, I couldn't tell them that. <laughs> I was, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. It didn't help them and it didn't help me. So I, it's very, I mean, along with being able to ask questions. Yeah. To tell them. And if you go to a good therapist, someone who's experienced, they've probably heard almost all of it anyway. Yeah. I've been surprised to find out that stuff isn't bad. And I haven't set the record. I don't hold a record for the person who spent the longest time in the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, how bad is this? It's just good yeah. to hear someone has it worse than me. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I found out Howard Hughes, who was a genius, had OCD and he got stuck in the bathroom for 48 hours one time. 
to that. That's way past my record. <laughs> so, wow. And but he was also a genius and he's known for that. Yeah. So I kind of think that's cool. <laughs> that is really cool. It helps you just to find people you can relate to. I don't know if it helps to tell you these things, but these are the things that are my positives. Yeah. You know what? It is helpful and it it it's going to help me to to not just sound like I'm giving the lesson. Do you know what I mean? It's going to sound better like, you know, you know, I'm I've asked my friend about this and this is her experience and some of the things she recommends. And I think that to me, it will help me show up so much more, you know, authentic, like this is a real thing, you know, and let's, let's just talk about our experience with it and share. Yeah. But if I was just like, what's your experience like that? And said, let's all share just sharing what you're sharing, I think will help people want to share. Do you know what I mean? They'll open up more or say, okay, um, here's something I've noticed, or here's something that's happened over here for us, you know? And I'm okay with you sharing it because I want to be able to help others afraid because they've got more than one. <laughs> that's not uncommon anymore. I found out I have well, I know that I have depression, eating disorder, OCD, panic disorder, borderline personality disorder, I say that one, and PTSD, from what I can remember. So there can be a lot of dual diagnosis, and that happens, and it makes it harder and more frustrating, but that's when it's nice to find help and to find people you can relate to. I have learned more about borderline personality disorder or BPD just by having a friend that has it because my therapist keeps explaining it and I think I might need to tell her can you explain it in a less scientific way dumb it down for me because right. I think I'm having a hard time understanding her but my friend who has it has explained her ups and downs and I'm like oh okay well now I get why they diagnosed me with that <laughs> But before I'm like, okay, I have it, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. And back to the whole, if we understand things better, we don't fear them as much. We can be like, okay, I can sit with that. I can, I can be more accepting of that's what that is. Yeah. That's good. Nice to be able to identify too and just say, oh, well, now it makes sense. When you just tell me I have it, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. In fact, I was, didn't really want to tell other people I had it either because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> They're like, don't ask me any questions about it. because. I... So do you think that the dual diagnosis comes because maybe you have one, one or two things, but because of the experiences that you go through with mental illness, another kind of mental illness comes? Do you, is that why? Or why do you think? Uh in my case, I think it probably depends on the person. In my case, I think some of it is not only my brain chemistry, found out is genetic in my family. Okay. I mean, I have so many cousins that are bipolar. I, I feel like it proves that. Yeah. I think there's only nine on my dad's side of the family. Wow. And plus my grandpa had it. So it kind of, it's almost like it skipped a generation. And then Growing up, there was some abuse. So I think 
the atmosphere, the, my environment. Yeah. The PTSD comes in and things that happen. I think that, and then they said eating disorders and OCD often can go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So it's not, not always as severe as mine, they said, but they often do kind of go together. And so some of them just kind of happen that way. And then some of it can be that, that, yeah, I think your experiences and maybe, I don't know if having one mental illness has helped cause another with the borderline personality disorder. I kind of think maybe, yeah, because I have so very anxious and at other times so severely depressed. I've acted in very ineffective ways. Yeah. So one way to explain it is, is I'm an extra sensitive person, not just emotionally, but physically. I would, if you ever heard of that story about the princess and the pea? Yeah, totally. And she, only, all these, there's tons and tons of mattresses and the, only the true princess can fill the pea under all those mattresses. I like that story because she's a princess. So, because I feel like I would be the princess. <laughs> and people with PD, I can have that that extreme sensitivity, which also can make them go very high or very low. You can say, hey, I'm super anxious and panicked right now. And then somebody can come back to you in five minutes and say, how do you feel? Oh, I'm so depressed. Okay. Mine usually doesn't go that. Yeah. I mean, or at least not as much as it used to. I've learned how to manage it better. Mm -hmm. But it it, it has been that bad in the past so with therapy and medication it's a lot more under control okay yeah that you know what that kind of makes sense what you said about the borderline personality you know thing happening because you have this and this right and it's going yeah i i don't know for sure but i think it could be possible just going through other mental illness and my experiences, they cause others. And I wasn't raised in a way to learn how to cope very well. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact, because I don't think my dad copes very well. I've seen how he is and I've seen all my other five siblings. I mean, if they don't have mental illness, they have substance abuse problems. So, um, not learning to cope well can learn lead to something like BPD because if you don't know how to cope, you have very ineffective mm. ways. Yeah, that lead to worse problems. Yeah. So when you say cope well, what does that mean? Like if I were, like I know you just adore your nieces and nephews, right? If you were going to say, here's how I would love for them to know how to cope well like what is it cope what does that mean to you I think the best way I would describe that is if if a problem comes up or something unexpected comes up anything uncomfortable anything you know when things just don't seem right or feel right if you cope well you know what to do you can you can you realize, okay, I can sit and think about this and find solutions. I can go talk to someone. 
I can write in a journal. I can do something to help me. Um, a person who doesn't know how to cope would, they might be more impulsive and say, okay, I am going to throw, if it's, if it's, a, if it's just a child, I'm going to throw a big fit until I get what I want. Yell or hit or break things. Yeah. That kind so, of thing. Or yeah. my dad these days, even though he, we get along better, he's admitted that he just goes to his room and doesn't face my siblings because there's a couple that live with him now and just lets my mom handle them because he doesn't know how to do that. But she can talk with them and still discuss things and not lose her temper. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's a very good explanation. Yeah. So it's kind of like when your emotions get high for any reason, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Like super sad. And yeah. So, well, yeah. So that could be harmful to you or others or, but yeah. In fact, there's two things I don't know if you want to throw those out to people that you're talking to that can help a lot with mental illness. Mm-hmm. One is called DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, and it specifically works on techniques and strategies, things to help a person learn how to manage their emotions better. And so, and maybe that's what I should have said instead of cope, manage my emotions better. And they can do all kinds of things like the, especially the importance of your diet, exercise, sleep, all of those also are contributing factors to Mm -hmm. mental health. And I'm using mental health instead of mental illness because you be mentally healthy if you take care of yourself instead of, yeah. But they also, and I'll give you another short example. They have acronyms to help you remember things. One is stop, stop, take a step back, observe, and proceed, which is something I wish I would have remembered and used tonight mm-hmm. with my grandma when she got after me. Because <laughs> what I would have done is I would have stopped, taken a step back, and they also say breathe. So I probably would have taken in a breath. <laughs> and observed how I was feeling, how she was acting and what she was saying before I proceeded, instead of just letting my anxiety and panic get out of control and say, shut up. Because I like myself when I do that. I would like to stop and think a minute and say, okay, okay, grandma, here, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's a great. They give so many examples to help manage your emotions and even do so not just in a healthy way but to better relationships as well as your own each day so that is a very effective therapy to look into and they have marcia linehan has books manuals out there that people can find or even look up examples online if they don't want to go buy something right away yeah and and get some help just looking into that another one that I was going to tell you too the other one is called CBT cognitive behavioral therapy 
And that looks more at your thoughts and rational versus irrational thinking. Yeah. There are often a lot of irrational thoughts that come with it. And without taking the time to look at what's your thoughts, what thoughts are coming to your mind, Mm. assessing them, analyzing them, you might not realize that you're having and acting on all these irrational thoughts. Yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy helps you look at that and helps you see it. And as you do it, you get better at realizing, okay, this isn't working and this isn't even quite right. Mm -hmm. Now, one of them, for an example, would be you might think that other people, not completely can read your mind, but just understand you just because you tell them something. So it's kind of like you're thinking they can read your mind when in reality, you need to really explain things in better detail. A person will easily misunderstand and that can lead to something that is unhealthy for the relationship. You can feel like you can read their mind. Oh, well, I see the reaction they're having right now or the look on their face tells me, oh, this is what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've learned the hard way that if somebody's face tells me they're angry at me or confused or frustrated or something, that's not always the case. They may have had another thought at the same time I was talking to them. Mm. And that thought resulted in, so being that they're mad at me, that's, I get paranoid about that one probably the most or that they dislike me for some reason. What I would do is I would ask them, is there a misunderstanding here? Yeah. You don't like, did I upset you? Yeah. So yeah. it helps you really learn, okay, yeah. there's a way yeah. I can do all this, deal with it better. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking you, you describing both of those things, you know, dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. It makes me think, wouldn't that just be good for any human alive? Both yes. Yeah. That's the other thing. I feel like they would be because the more I do them, the more I think this, this would be nice for anyone. Right. Yeah. So oh. because so many people do it, whether they have mental illness or not, they might just assume things and just assuming doesn't always have a very good outcome. <laughs> right. And Oh yeah, that's so good. And so good to just, you know, question your thoughts, notice what you're doing, right? It's just so good. And you can bring down your stress or depression or whatever emotions you're having. You can help lower that level by taking the time to question your thoughts. I'll put it the way you said it. Mm -hmm. Hey, this isn't helping me. (laughs) This might not even be true. Right. Yeah. I might see, but just thinking it doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Yeah. Well, and you know, it just makes me wonder because, oh, it was about a month ago. I had this thought just come so clearly to my mind while I was talking to a gal. And anyway, I just said to her, I said, you know what? What if, what if nothing is really going wrong here? You know, that was what I asked her. What if nothing's really going wrong here? And, And then I said, she just looked at me like, because, you know, in her mind, there's a lot of things going wrong. And anyway, I just, I said, 
I said, isn't that a good question? Like, it was almost like you had to interrupt your brain or something, right? Yeah. It kind of feels that way. And one of the things they teach in DBT is also mindfulness. I know that doesn't sound the same as interrupting your brain, but in some ways it is. It's like stopping and just being with the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. If you were going to say more. No, I think that was... I wasn't really, but yeah, that's so good. I have a friend that really just loves mindfulness and, oh, she's, she's got several children who struggle with mental illness and she, is it that people are super sensitive in this day about how you say things. And so when I say struggle with mental illness, I'm almost like, am I supposed to say the word struggle before mental illness? Does that, is that a bad way to say that? I don't even know. I, I don't think it is, but okay. <laughs> I guess other people might be more sensitive. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know another way to really put it. I know. I was like, oh, I hope I didn't say that wrong. But the um yeah, but she that's what she has found that she is just so thrilled about is that mindfulness helps her to manage her manage herself better as a parent because yeah, with the struggles that our kids are having. It is actually the biggest thing they focus on in DBT, the mm-hmm. mindfulness. And, and they can, people can learn breathing exercises that will help with that. Well, you know what? I don't want to take your whole evening, but I do want to ask you. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure you've learned a lot through the spirit about yourself and God's perspective on things or how he sees uh, mental illness or even maybe what he's done outside of you with other people. Just what have you learned about the savior, about heavenly father's plan, just anything through the spirit about, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Karen, I feel like the things you teach in your class are, are some of those most important things that I've learned. Yes, for real. Um, Especially when you talk about remember who you are and whose you are. That's been big to me. And which is why I wrote that poem about your true identity. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just feel like, wow, if everybody could know that, I I just. Yeah. I, I wish that people knew because knowing that you're a daughter or son of God is huge. Mm-hmm. And then the more and more I learn and understand the t- atonement, that has also been huge to me. Brad Wilcox gives a talk. I think we may have talked about this before, but it was life-changing for me. And it's titled, His Grace is Sufficient. I didn't understand grace correctly before that. I didn't understand what repentance really meant before that. I kind of saw it as a self-punishment thing. Like to be humble, I really need, I I, I almost felt like I was supposed to hate myself because I did something wrong. Right. I was arguing because we're imperfect. And to, you know, and to, it, I, you know, I, I've heard that, and I don't know if religions still do this, but have you heard that in the past there have been religion, Christian religions, where they did self-blogging oh, as, I, as part of the repentance? 
And I felt like I was doing that to myself emotionally. There wants for us. That's not what repentance or the atonement is about. And learning more about the atonement. And I'm going to share a favorite quote with you. Now, this is not word for word. Mm -hmm. I used it a little bit to make it a positive affirmation. So I'll share it, my positive affirmation. I keep trying because I know spirits, sons, and daughters of God need not be permanently put down when lifted up by Jesus's atonement. Mm -hmm. Neil A. Maxwell talking about repentance in that. But I've heard somebody else, I read an article, and I don't remember where, but I know it was through LDS.org, mm -hmm. and somebody's talking about, about mental illness, and they used that quote in regards to mental illness, that we don't need to be permanently put down in that way either, mm -hmm. because of the moment to lift us up. And that one has been very helpful to me, but also that talk by Brad Wilcox, and just realizing what grace really means and what the atonement is there for that jesus christ isn't there waiting for us to do it all on our own us. but he's there helping us all along the way until we get there we, we can and he's there helping us as we go along it's so incredible it is it is just learning and understanding these things and understanding that god loves us and that's not loves us only when we're doing what's right, but he also when we're struggling and that he still cares and that he's, he's just wants to help us. And more than anything, he just wants is hoping that we'll come to him so he can. And I, I've been learning that more and more. I've been realizing, and I just had a dream recently. I'm going to hurry and plug this in. Mm -hmm. But I, I would like to share this dream because I feel like it was the spirit. And it was probably two or three weeks ago. It really learned, taught, it taught me a lesson about trusting in the Lord. I ended up on a mountain peak. And at the very peak, there was snow, but only at the very top there. And all around me, the rest was just dirt. And that might not be so important, but just looked in the distance and saw another peak and it was pretty similar. And it wasn't so far that it looked like it, it would be too hard. I felt like, you know what, I could make that. And, uh, you know, with some effort, but it wouldn't be super, too terribly hard. So I descended down the peak I was on, and it was probably a couple hundred feet or so. And then there was just a level area between the two peaks where I just had to walk straight across. The mm -hmm. dirt was there were a few stones here and there, but nothing, you know, bigger than one of my feet. As I was walking, I, I don't even know if I was halfway to where I would start having to ascend the next peak. And I stepped into the soft part of dirt where I started to sink. And I immediately tried to take the next step and hurry out because it felt like I was kind of in a hole, but instead, I sunk further and started to realize real, right away that the more I struggled, the further I sunk, it was like a quicksand effect. Mm -hmm. But it was quicksand in my dream. And panic 
weeks came in and I, I felt like I was just scared out of my mind. I had no idea what to do. There was not another soul around. There was not another thing around to grab onto. There was nothing. And then this thought popped into my head, trust in the Lord. And I just kept repeating that to myself. It kind of kept coming to mind and I kept repeating it. And gradually, as I told myself to just trust in the Lord, the tension in my muscles and throughout my body just went away until I was completely relaxed. But even better, I was at peace. Despite the fact that if this was quicksand, I might be dead soon, I was at peace because I just chose to trust in the Lord. Whatever may happen or not happen, I would just trust him. And I found this piece that was just indescribable. I, I just, it was incredible. And then later on in the dream, it was like, I, I had to go through another trial to help me remember, trust in the Lord. There was this huge snake that was after me. And again, I was in panic. <laughs> I popped into my mind again. Oh yeah, trust in the Lord. Wow. And so that's a huge thing that I've learned from the spirit is trust in the Lord. And I think a lot of that means just accepting people and situations as they are, because you may not be able to do anything else. So you just got to leave it to the Lord and, and kind of let go, let him help you or, or do whatever it may need to be done. But it's so much better, even if that means death, I would rather have that peace of mind and just be like, okay, I trust, I trust thee, Lord, I just, I'll trust thee. Then panic, <laughs> that panic is like, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, I'm, I'm not saying it's that easy, <laughs> but it's something I, it's worth practicing and developing more trust more faith totally I just love that in your you, you really don't know what to expect a lot of the time so I think that trust and accepting the way things are is a huge one that's so so huge like uh, your dream the whole accepting piece of it's I totally expected you to say once I relaxed I was just okay but no you were still stuck I was. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was at peace. Right. And with the snake, it was still, it didn't go away, right? It did go away. That part mm -hmm. changed. Um, it, and dreams can be weird. So mm -hmm. I, that's kind of why I didn't tell you what happened because it was, it was kind of weird. Have you ever looked through a kaleidoscope before? Mm -hmm. The snake kind of had that weird effect. Like it was, it kind of, I was all of a sudden the snake was changing into all these kaleidoscope colors, mostly blue and white, and kind of disappeared until it was only a bright white, which was really cool. But also, what I didn't tell you was the snake was as big as a semi truck. So, manic. Oh, um, even though I know those things aren't real, in the dream it was. It was very vivid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It's trust in the Lord 
the message was the same, but I don't know. It was almost like the second one. The message was like, trust in the Lord, even if you can't get out, even if it, death is imminent, like that, this will help you. And then this one, maybe trust in the Lord, if it feels too big, too scary, because it can give you a new perspective or something. I don't know. Maybe, or even maybe, I mean, it was kind of like the snake dissolved in, a, in its way, in a way. Like, okay. And this snake had a huge stinger on it because it was huge as it was. So <laughs> I remember it had this big old tail with the stinger at the end. And I was like, oh. yeah, it was very scary, but that was important. And I, and I know you call them declarations. So however you want to put it, I call them positive affirmations. Right. I guess because I always see it as a declaration as a longer thing. I always see it as like a family proclamation. That has been huge for me. It helps me purposely think about positive things. And I don't know if this is true with everybody with mental illness, but I'm kind of guessing it is from what I've heard from most people I talk to. Negative thoughts and doubts are always coming into the mind or you are giving you paranoia or, or what, all sorts of, it just seems like a lot of negative thoughts mm-hmm. and those positive affirmations. When you purposely take time to think positively, not only does it help you to do that, but it helps you start catching yourself when you're thinking negative so that you can change it. Because before I started, I see how many negative thoughts I constantly have coming but when I purposely try to do that, it helps me catch them too. As long as everything I put on that holding to joy thing, that that's the most I've put together for before, but I, everything on there has really helped me. <laughs> and that just turned out beautifully. I was so, yeah. When you put it on your block, because um, that helped me feel like, wow, it's, it's useful. It's helpful to people. Yeah, so helpful. But yeah, that was really, um, that was so good. When when Luann sent me the final version, I was like, this, I'm so glad it's so beautiful because she deserves it to be. Oh, yeah. I took screenshots because I liked the way she put it on there. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, I... Oh, I appreciate your time so much, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have a couple minutes for me to ask you a couple questions? For sure. Yeah. It's basically, I just want to clarify, when you say stay by the tree, when I I think of the tree, that it represents the love of God. Is that what you mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the O, the O in the, on the calendar represents the own my field, like own my own personal battlefield that realize that spiritual battles are real, right? That if I'm, whenever I feel like I'm separated from the love of God, sometimes some of that is just human experience that just is happening because of our life circumstance that we can't really prevent. Like, you know, if I'm if something unexpected is happening to me or something that like in your case, you're thinking, I can't necessarily just decide I'm not going to have mental illness anymore. 
And so there are circumstances where we feel separated. Like we can't, we don't feel as, as whole and connected to the love of God as other times in our life, because we have a heightened level of response going on to whatever's happening in a circumstance, right? Yeah. When my emotions are high or low, it is hard to feel that love. I just feel empty. It's yeah. And I know it's just kind of comes with the mental illness. Yeah. And but that's another thing I've learned is that's nice to know is that that is just part of the mental illness. It doesn't mean that you're bad. Mm, that's so good to know. Yeah. Because I used to think it meant I was bad and it took many years to learn differently. Wow. Oh, that, yeah, that wounded you for sure, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, for a very long time, I thought, well, I'm just a bad person and there's nothing I can do about it. <sighs> learn the opposite to learn that, well, that's not true. <laughs> a huge, huge difference for help to remember if I can't feel God's love to be able to remember it oh that's so good so I would imagine especially with your circumstance like the stay by the tree like a lot of the it's like noticing how are my thoughts affecting my feelings like how do I manage my you know ability to emotionally regulate in whatever circumstance it is or Emotionally regulate. That's yeah. what I'm saying with DBT. It's the emotional regulation. <laughs> I couldn't think of these words. Yeah. So it's just, what are we doing to stay by the tree? Because that's what makes us leave the tree. That's that biochemical place that the adversary takes advantage of is when our thoughts are doing this, which are making our feelings do that. Right. Yeah. And so we just grow out of control in our feelings to the point where we like, yeah, but it makes me wonder if there's a really comforting, empowering thought that in your circumstance you could have when you're feeling that separation and knowing it's an experience I'm having that it's not because I just am driving in traffic. It's not because I'm having some, you know, interaction. It's because I, I'm dealing with the you know, the results of this mental illness, like almost just, I am at the tree. Do you know I mean, I am at the tree or I can wait until this cloud or however you refer to it. I can wait till this passes and find that, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I've been held. I'm here. There, there is a couple that I use that help me. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, is, and I use this one because especially to help me through the suicidal times. For sure. I tell myself, this life is just a temporary moment of eternity. And after I endure it well, God will exalt me on high. Mm. So I part of that, I don't know if you can hear the scripture. Yeah. Is it 122 or 121? I think it's 121 verse, verses three and four. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. If it's not 121, it's 122. But I think it's 121 verses three and four where I took that from and just changed it. But 
yeah, I don't want to kill myself when this life is just a small moment compared to eternity. And to remind myself that those promised blessings are there. If I can endure, I know it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. And I, tell my, I memorized my, your well, it's called your true identity, but I also wrote it as my true identity. So I say, I am God's child, love perfectly. And I recite that poem to myself because it reminds me of God, his love, my worth, divine worth, divine potential, poem to myself. I couldn't just even say the first verse. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, where is that poem? Grab it and read it out loud right now. That's what I was going to say. I've got it memorized. I don't. Well, then definitely show off. I want to hear it. Okay. Okay. I am God's child, love perfectly and forever, infinitely. Being his, I have divine worth, child of a king of noble birth. I'm precious, special in God's sight. He gave his son to be the light, to atone for my every sin, so I can live with him again. I have potential that's divine to learn and grow line upon line. God's attributes I can acquire, become like him, that's his desire. I am beautiful in God's eyes. My body made like his to prize. A gift I'm using every day as I go love, learn, work, and play. I am unique, one of a kind, with my own skills, talents, and mind. God knows who I am and my name. That I come know him is his aim. I have purpose, so now I see. I'm made by God. I'm meant to be. I belong as one of his own. With him there, I'm never alone. I matter to God, always will. Care for, wanted, a miracle. Ever remembered, memorable, chosen, needed, valuable. Oh, wow. Oh, Crystal, that's so special. And you wrote that off of the who and whose I am. And that's something you recite. Is, did you say that's something you recite when you are just low? I make sure I recite it at least once a day. Okay. But, and, and, and one, other, one other thing I remind myself, I feel like I had a positive affirmation for it and it's escaping me. But I remind myself that everything we go through is for a reason, to help us learn and grow. Oh, I do remember the positive affirmation. It came to mind. And this is from a scripture too. Actually, I think this one is the one from DNC 122. Verse nine, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. And I say that I am comforted in knowing that all things in my life are giving me experience. And they are for my good. And that's what the Lord was telling the prophet Joseph Smith in DNC 122. That all these things shall give the experience and shall be for thy good. And so I remind myself, you know, as bad as this is going to be, it is. It's for my good. And 
you look at the prophet Joseph and he was persecuted and went through so many trials, but mm-hmm. they, that only helped him on that pathway to perfection more. He Absolutely. became greater for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I'm not sure how long you and I have known each other, maybe five years. Maybe it has been a while now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I just think, I don't know. I, I just have seen it as such a privilege to notice, Hey, this woman is like really a gem, but there's something just so special about you. And anyway, I've often had the thought, you know, as I consider what I imagine, right. I just imagine from the little things that you've shared with me here and there, I imagine, you know, the longevity of what you've had to face every day and all of your multiple efforts that you've put into, you know, getting help and being consistent, you know, all of that. It just has made me consider because that's one of the things I've noticed in studying for this lesson I'm giving on Sundays. There, you know, there's lots of scriptures here and there, and I'm sure you have them all, but I'll, I'll pass them along to you. But there's so many things that say, you know, we are going to be whole, every whit, all of it, going to be completely whole. And anyway, I just think because it's something that you've had to carry. I just think I'm almost just so excited to interview you when you are whole to be like, Crystal, oh my gosh, no wonder you had to have that right there because here you're just too much. (laughs) I wonder if someday I'll be able to say like, Paul, I glory in my, what was it? My weakness? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so sure I can say that. <laughs> yeah. And what was the reason was I glory in my weakness because, um, my weakness because I'm it's strong or something like that. Yeah. Strong. I know it's something like, yeah, that. I know it had something to do with him saying, you know, will you take this thorn from my flesh, you know, get rid of this affliction that I carry and And the Lord, the Lord's reply, I don't remember exactly what it was for word. But I think the interpretation was, well, when you have it, you're strong. And that's why I'm not going to take it away. And if I, yeah. And that's when he said, well, yeah, don't take it. Because I really want to be, I want to be with you, strong with you. Yeah. That makes sense. Something. We got to find it and read it. Okay. Thanks, Crystal. You're welcome. Thank you for talking with me. I, I you always somehow uplift me and make me feel so much better. And I always appreciate that. I've had so many thoughts of being unworthy and not so great lately that it's it's been a real pleasure talking with you. It's been just a pleasure to me too. Like just whenever I get to talk to you, I feel like it's kind of a sacred place. Yeah, it becomes that way because you help make it that way. I feel like I can tell you, and it's it's safe. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I I sure hope you feel like that. And I appreciate that. We should talk more. I would be really happy about that. <laughs> and it would make me feel like we can discuss whatever either one of us wants to discuss. Yeah, that would be so awesome. Brent? All right. Please? Yeah, totally. Yeah, thank you. I'm actually sitting here thinking, why haven't I ever thought of that before? That's weird. That's what I'm thinking. So I I already look forward to it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're you're so great. I'm looking forward to it too. Have a great rest of your evening. Okay, thank you. And if there's anything else you would like I can that I can send, let me know. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks. Good night. You too. Bye-bye. Love you. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.